perception, perception is reality. Reality. Is there anybody there? Hey, go ahead. We're going to kill that music. I want to go ahead and get right into it today. Folks, welcome to this 96th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. I hope you're all doing well. Do me a favor, share this episode, share the show with everybody you know. We can be found on all major podcast hosting sites simply by Googling Bilbrey Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast. Share the show, bring people to it. Let's get at it. All right, so everyone listening, either zero... Is a sibling, has a sibling, had a sibling, or is a single child that knows what it's like through movies and TV to have brothers and sisters, okay? Whether you have brothers and sisters or you've watched TV shows about brothers and sisters, you know you fight like cats and dogs, and then you're close, then you fight, then then you're close, okay? If you're lucky, you have a really great relationship with your sibling, with your brother or sister. If you are unlike lucky, you don't, okay? I, I, I very much value the relationship that I have with both of my brothers. I have two brothers, one that I grew up with that's just three years younger than me that I consider part of me. And then I have a brother that's quite a bit younger than me, that's like 19 years younger than me who I've grown close with in the last couple of years since my father's passed and a couple of years before my father passed. But I have different relationships with both of them, and I love and respect them both and, and have various different sets of opinions and thoughts and feelings about and towards each one, and, and they're both great. But there's nothing better in this world than when you have a conversation with your sibling. And for those of you out there that have brothers and sisters, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you have a conversation and you connect one-on-one with your sibling, nobody else in this world knows you or gets you, especially if you're close in age. You know, it's a little bit harder for Jacob and I because we were 19 years apart. We didn't grow up in the same house, and things were just different there. And that's not his fault. That's not my fault. It's just what it is. I grew up with Andrew, my brother from my mother's side. My parents are divorced, so both of these brothers, we have one parent the same and one different parent, but I've never mentioned that because I consider them both my brother. Andrew and I consider, we're we're three years apart, but I consider us twins. We have strengths and weaknesses that meet in the middle, kind of like a Venn diagram, but then we have strengths that each other doesn't have and weaknesses that each other doesn't have. Andrew is very analytical, He is an engineer. He's a chemical engineer. He and his wife and their two children live in Texas. They have a business that they are owners of. It's a big business that does really well. On top of that, Andrew is a chemical engineer in the oil industry, pulling in the big bucks. You know how it is. And he is very, very analytically predisposed mathematics, science, he graduated from Purdue. His father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather are all the same, very engineer type of people, okay? 
very intelligent, and when Andrew started to get into politics, probably about four or five years ago, I was like, yes, 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 this is great, because I've been involved with politics forever, and I am analytical like he is, but it's not towards math. I can't count to five on one hand. Uh, That's how bad it is. Science, I liked, but I never really cared much about. I didn't do chemistry. I hated algebra. I don't know how I got out of high school as far as math is concerned, okay? Math is just not my deal. Andrew should have helped me there. What a piss-poor brother he was for not helping me. But it was Andrew, and I've said this before, I think all the way back on the very first episode, 001, the origin story, it was Andrew that really made me think about doing the podcast. See, I've been involved with politics forever. And I've been very vocal. I've been an activist. I've worked campaigns. I've ran for office. I've done all sorts of different things with politics. But about five or six years ago, really, really about 2010, I started being very, very vocal, outspoken, blogging, writing things, and doing different things. But about four or five years ago, I started doing it on a very regular basis. And it was Andrew who said, hey, your writings are great, but they're too long. No one's reading that. You need to do videos. And so from there, I started doing Facebook Live videos. And every time I would do it, a few more people would listen. And I would up the production level a little bit. Working towards a podcast without knowing what the hell a podcast was, I listened to talk radio all my life, but I didn't know what a podcast was. So he and I started talking about it, I think. And I said, oh man, it would be great if we could do a podcast together. Because for the last several years, every so often, once a week, maybe once every couple weeks, Andrew and I would have a phone conversation. And it would last 35, 40, 50, 60 minutes, sometimes two hours, sometimes two and a half hours long. Sometimes we'd talk until one or both phones go dead. And we would talk about national politics. We would talk about what's going on in Texas. We would talk about what's going on in Indiana. We would talk about what I was currently fighting at that moment. We would talk about pop culture, music, And everything in between. And I said, man, what we need to do is we need to have a podcast where you are down there, I'm up here, and we communicate, we come together. I think people would listen to that. One of two things. People would agree with us or they would disagree, but I think that they would enjoy it. And I think that people could get something out of it. I think it would be funny. I think it would be a kind of a dry, witty type of humor, but I think people would get it. He and I talked about it, worked on it, and I really took it serious and started purchasing equipment and doing things to work on that. Andrew wanted me to make up a mission statement, and I did that. And for the very first time, I'm going to read this mission statement aloud. Andrew's read this, but nobody else has ever heard this. I wrote this on December 2nd, 2017. It says, I, Christopher H. Bilbrey, want to start a podcast dealing with political events, current events, world topics, and life, and any and all other topics that I believe people would enjoy to hear. I currently communicate with my brother, Andrew Craig, several times a month 
concerning these issues. We generally communicate for 60 to 90 minutes at a time, and this is enjoyable. We both share a lot of the same political thoughts and are of the same political persuasion. However, we do have different points of view, and although we've shared a lot in common, we have different perspectives that allow us the ability to see things differently. All of this allows for great conversation where we at various times agree and disagree on many different topics. With us already talking as much as we do, it wouldn't be that hard to continue that while recording the conversation. Make this happen. My vision. I already have experience posting, blogging, vlogging, videoing my thoughts on political topics on a local level at the moment. And at the present time, I have a pretty big following for a small local area. I believe that if I'm already pulling in between 1,200 to 1,500 people that take the time to tune in and watch my thoughts on local issues for anywhere from 25 to 30 to 45 minutes, I must have something to say that people want and like to hear. It's my belief that it would not be that hard to get folks to listen or watch an hour to 90 minute long podcast once a week, once every couple of weeks, whichever would work for the best. I believe it would not be hard to grow an audience of possibly 20, 30, 50,000 on a regional or national level listening to the podcast platform. Andrew and I have a topic or two couple topics we want to discuss, spend some time independently researching or reviewing said topics, having a bit of communication about said topics, and then recording ourselves discussing the topics. We would or could often invite others to discuss their points of view in a point-counterpoint form with the hope that at some point we could have it open for strangers to contact us and discuss, debate, and for every Everyone to learn. Besides the topics of each show, we could briefly discuss news or current events of the week from various areas, our communities, or beyond, which could be a jumping off point for further discussion. Okay, so I sent that to him and he said, Yeah, that sounds pretty good. You know, he was impressed that I got this. So I got the equipment up, and as it happens, Andrew and his wife being business owners, Andrew having a job in the oil field, having two small kids. It really just wasn't to be that Andrew and I were able to kick off the podcast together at that time. Maybe later on down the road, I thought, you know, something we can do. And I've always done what I could to push him. Matter of fact, I've had Andrew on several episodes back probably 10, 15 episodes back, where I called him and we spoke about uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, we spoke about Joe Biden, and talked about the presidential politics of this 2020 election season. And I got a lot of good feedback on that podcast. So I've been pushing Andrew and pushing Andrew and pushing Andrew with no real luck. However... A couple days back, and it's probably been about a week now, Andrew released a video where he is kind of doing a rant about the Houston 
City School Corporation in Texas that his kids are a part of. See, of course, COVID-19 is affecting Andrew and his family like it is all of us. And Andrew's children are out of school, as is everybody else. Now, I fully believe that Andrew could properly educate his small elementary age children second grade and fourth grade, everything that they need to know within the entire curriculum of the entire elementary, all the way from kindergarten to fifth grade, Andrew could probably easily get them through middle school and high school. That being said, he's not a teacher, and he knows his limitations, okay? And I know his limitations. He's not a teacher. We both fully respect teachers, and we understand that is is a calling. We also both understand that teachers have never been in this position before. We're all in a position where we've never dealt with a pandemic, and we're all having to make adjustments to our regular life. That being said, I have heard this same gripe that Andrew has out of many, many, many other people that it feels as though, one, the parents are left holding the bag while they're still trying to figure out work, while they're trying to figure out keeping their family safe. Now they're in charge of doing all of the homeschooling, the e-learning, and it's not very easy There's not much instruction or communication, and it's starting to drive people crazy, not to mention driving the kids crazy. So a week back, Andrew made a video where he addresses this issue with the Houston area school corporation. And I'm getting ready to play that video for you right now. But what I want you to keep in mind while you're listening to Andrew is he has a great sense of humor he is not an asshole. He's he's really a good guy. He is intelligent, and he's just addressing these concerns from his point of view. Now, some of this he's being extremely serious about. All of it he's being extremely serious about. However, he is doing it in such a way that he's trying to be a little snarky, and so I want you to listen to the video and find that snark in there and listen to his sarcasm, what I guess I would consider his dry wit. So listen to this video of Andrew going off about the Houston School Corporation. Try and put yourself in his position if you're doing what he's doing at home and you're getting ready to have a breakdown or you've already had a breakdown or you know it's coming, then you'll understand. If you're having a wonderful time with it and you think that the school system that you're in has done a wonderful job, then maybe you ought to have them help out the Houston Community School Corporation because apparently they are having some major issues. Okay, let's go ahead and take a listen to Andrew's video now. You know, I really hate to be doing this, but I feel like I need to vent a bit because it's been three weeks of homeschooling a second and fourth grader, and I really just feel like the Houston ISD is letting the students down, and I can't really see what the teachers are doing to help in any way possible. 
I pretty much finished up teaching our fourth grader his lessons um, about 30 minutes ago. It took about six and a half hours today to get through everything. <laughs> this is their first week that they'll actually be grading the lessons, so they decided to basically double up all the work they had to do. <laughs> so I'm going to name off a list of every single resource that is required for the students for us as the parents to log in and figure out how we're supposed to go through this process of teaching them. This is what is required for our fourth grader this week. And these are all external, mostly external links. Imagine, for literacy and math and other lessons, HISD at home. That's the website that shows all of their actual lessons that they're supposed to complete. Living Tree, that's the social media that posts all the different topics and additional lessons that they're supposed to do. <laughs> Zoom for class meetings, which, by the way, there won't be any teaching taking place on the class <laughs> meetings. It's just for social interaction. <laughs> Teams, that's the website where they post additional coursework that they're supposed to do that couldn't be posted in any of the other sites. <laughs> Brain Pop. Think Central. <laughs> Clever. A writing journal for them to write various topics every day of the week. YouTube, that's the website they recommend for the kids to learn how to move around and be physical. Uh, Houston ISD Hub, another website for them to get additional coursework. Texas Studies Weekly to learn their social studies. And then last but not least is the digital learning plan. The curriculum that each and every teacher provides, and they change on a regular basis. That was over a dozen different external websites that the teachers are forcing the parents to log into on a daily basis to get the work. Every one of them has a different password that's never provided to you in a single place. So you have to log into emails from past months to find the information. I made a recommendation to both of the second and fourth grade teachers that what I'd like to see in the upcoming weeks is pretty simple. A single link, and by clicking that link, you could even title the link with today's date. It would show you a video of the teacher teaching the coursework for the day. It would be a video that was 30 minutes, an hour, two hours long, and that video would encompass everything the student is supposed to learn for the day. It's pretty simple. If you wanted to teach how to do a two-step math problem, you would show them a two-step math problem, solve a two-step math problem, and then provide the additional examples of two-step math problems and allow the students time to solve the problem while the video plays. One of the videos from a week ago was a live video. If you pause it, it would jump ahead when you push play again. So there was no way to actually catch all of the information. You know, one of the worst parts about this, I, I had a call with a second grade teacher recently <clears throat> because I said it didn't make sense why there was the same lessons being taught four or five different ways. Some were mandatory, some were optional. I don't, I don't really understand optional learning. It should just be, this is what you're going to do, and there's no two ways about it. Do this. <clears throat> I had a call with the teacher because during their Zoom classroom meeting, she explained to the class that she was confused and that she's never done this type of teaching before. <clears throat> and I wanted to make very clear to the teacher that if you want to absolutely lose credibility, with God, an audience, idiot. a captive audience of children who are there to learn from you, 
the worst thing you could do is to explain to the students that you're confused about the curriculum that you're teaching. That's true. Seems like a major fail, and <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure how students are supposed to learn if their teachers are actually confused. <clears throat> now, I did actually provide the feedback before. Why don't you just teach the class in the Zoom meeting? We have to have at least two, three, four different Zoom meetings with different teachers each week. Last time, the Zoom meeting took an hour, and the same question was asked four times, and the teacher <laughs> answered it four times of how they were supposed to log into a site. I told the teacher it would have been more reasonable to simply explain, I'm not going to answer the question again, that's rude, and you're taking up the other student's time. That would have been more appropriate. <clears throat> He's an idiot. The second grade teacher explained to me that they've been informed they're not allowed to do any teaching in the Zoom classroom meetings because it's only for social interaction. <laughs> God. And that's pretty interesting to me because... That's the only source by which the teacher is currently communicating with the students. There's no other situation where the teacher is doing anything to communicate and talk to the students. So that means <laughs> somehow a person is getting paid <laughs> to create numerous <laughs> curriculums and... Over the course of the past three weeks, they've changed them as they're trying to figure out what to do. And no one has made any attempt to simply make a video that teaches the lessons that they're trying to teach. And I have to admit, you know, going into Brain Pop and Think Central and Clever and YouTube and the Houston ISD <laughs> Hub and all the other dozen websites, they do provide a lot of really cool videos and animations that kind of help with teaching but I'm not sure what the, the teacher's role is in any of this uh, these are external websites they're, they're, you know, the best I can say is it seems like the school district had an abundance of money and said well we have so much money why don't we just keep adding more and more websites so they have other <laughs> options I think in this situation options are a negative thing if you don't have a computer the teacher should be able to print yes. out the paperwork for you yes. which you can pick up and if you do have a computer, you should be able to log into a single link in the day. Yes. That one link has a video of one teacher <laughs> teaching all of your lessons. It's elementary. If you need to learn adjectives, <laughs> I don't Watson. need to go to three different websites for them to figure out how to do their adjectives, and then a fourth website to do their test, and then a fifth <laughs> website where they can submit the test results through. I think it's very He's tough, and honestly, down. I could teach every single second and fourth grade topic <laughs> yes. that they want us to teach them. The problem isn't in the coursework. The problem is in the curriculum that's being created and the absence of the teachers. Yes. I mean, I, I guess they're just having a fun vacation. <laughs> because honestly, oh, if elementary Thank teachers are spending six or eight hours a day reworking the curriculum <laughs> over and over to try to find different ways that it works for everyone... They're they're missing a lot. And it seems to me they're creating a lot of supporting evidence for why the parents should just homeschool the kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Because I'm not confused on what I need to teach them <laughs> when they say adjectives or types of literature or complex <laughs> two-step or three-step math problems or bar graphs. But it's the four or five different locations you have to go to find it and all the places you have to get the passwords and websites. 
it could be done a lot easier. And this is one of the things that I explain. You know, if you're a teacher, and this is your calling, not to just create a curriculum and expect people to follow it, but (laughs) to convey a message to students such that every single student in your classroom is enthralled with what you're telling them, with your amazing story that you have to tell. And that story causes all of them to want to learn the topics that you have to teach for today. I would think that you're you're feeling pretty angry as a teacher that you're not able to sit in front of your students and teach these topics right now. Um, it, it shouldn't be the parents' duty to come up with what the best way is to walk through all of this and keep the kids engaged. It takes just about as long as a normal school day. Now, I can see if I was sitting in a class with 20 people and I already knew I was going to teach all of this, it would be pretty easy. <clears throat> but I'm actually starting an hour earlier than the kids each day so that I can go through the list of the daily curriculum and write out everything I need with the passwords and all the other websites I have to log into. <laughs> so just to reiterate, I absolutely... <laughs> feel like the Houston ISD is failing the students because there is absolutely no interaction where the teachers are providing any type of videos or personal interaction where they're teaching content. So it seems to me that the objective somehow is that the teachers don't provide any teaching. The parents have to do 100% of the teaching. And a lot of time is being spent on finding more websites for parents to take their kids to so that they can watch more cartoons. You know, I have sat in a science class before and been really happy that I got to watch Bill Nye, a science guy. But I've never walked into a science class and solely watched Bill Nye, the science guy, every single day. And that's what it kind of feels like right now. I think kids I can learn watching something other than a cartoon. And it's frustrating, especially when I'm doing two kids at once, because it's not like I can just throw the curriculum down and tell a second grader, just follow this, you'll know what to do. I can only leave them alone for at most one and a half minutes before I have to step back in and explain what does the question mean, or what's the next topic that you're supposed to be covering, or how do you log into the next website. And a lot of the time it takes me extra 15 minutes of them waiting for me because now I'm helping the fourth grader, and now I'm helping the second grader. (laughs) I think it could be a lot easier, and, and, and here's the way that I would do it if I was a teacher. What do I think the simplest thing that a student could follow that it would allow them to get all of their coursework from a single link so that everything that needs to be taught that day can be taught by the teacher in a half hour or an hour or an hour and a half. And the moment that the student logs off, that's the moment that the teaching is done. (laughs) And if there's an additional assignment they have to work on, makes total sense. That's where we can help them. (laughs) But at this point in time, I'm not seeing any teaching take place. So... For any teachers that might see this, I have one simple question. Over the last three weeks, I have not seen any teaching take place from a teacher. (laughs) And it looks like the school year is going to be closed until the end of the 2020 school year. It is. uh, Through the summer. So I have one simple question. Are teachers planning on doing any teaching the (laughs) remainder of the school year? Or is this what we're expected to see for the next month. <laughs> okay, so that was his rant video, and I I have listened to that several times and about peed myself every time because I understand his frustration. I understand that 
Andrew is a very intelligent person, and he could sit down and deal with what's going on. He's also dealing with his wife and their business, which is having an issue right now because of COVID-19. He's also dealing with his business. He's dealing with everything going on. Plus, on top of that, they're dealing with trying to educate a second grader and a fourth grader while there is a lot of confusion coming out of the school system. And this is just indicative of the problems I've been talking about for some time now about the lack of communication with the people who are supposed to be in positions where they are uh, supposed to be officials or leaders and, and trying to help ease this situation, not make it more difficult. So that video is now like a week old, and earlier, Andrew and I were having a conversation, and we were trying to talk about everything that was going on, and I thought, wait a minute, I've got to record this because this is now part two of what's happened since his rant video and since he has talked with teachers. And so I wanted to share that with you guys now. So please welcome to Perception is Reality, my neurotic brother, Andrew Craig. This is our conversation from earlier. Started doing tutoring. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who are you tutoring? Well, the kids. The kids' schoolwork. Okay, you mean, so you're not tutoring other people, you're just doing your kids' work. I get it. All right, go for it. Yeah, yeah. So she started doing it, but got frustrated with trying to stay calm as they were, you know, they'll read like one word and say, I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to do. They won't read it and figure it out. They won't try any harder. So then I started taking over, which obviously puts me behind now because I'm not on with, you know, all the different sites that she already knows how to log into. Mm-hmm. So... The problem I had was when we started week three, and that was when I made the video, they they took all the stuff, like there's a website that shows each assignment you have. But that wasn't good enough because te- parents couldn't follow that. So then the teachers got together and made a curriculum, which is like a two-page document, and it says, do this, do this, do this, do this, science, do this, math, do this, even though that already existed. And obviously all the other websites and everything, but... It had different colors, so some stuff was in red that said mandatory, some stuff was in blue that said optional. Everything that's optional, we just skip it because, you know, if it says go in and read a book, well, they're going to go in and read the book online. They're not going to go to another website later on and read books on that website, and that's what they're doing. They're just telling you different places to go do the same stuff. Right. It's not the same. It's different. But So this week, Monday started... uh, Official grading. So along with their required stuff, it would say, like, your Wednesday science lesson is going to be graded and your Friday, you know, social studies will be graded. And what they did was they they took the original assignments that was on the, the Houston's website, and those were mandatory, but some parents couldn't do that. So they had all the other optional ones, and they said, well, we don't want anyone to have the impression that these things are all optional, so we'll just make it all mandatory. We'll double the amount of work you have to do, and then you'll get the impression that you should do it all. But you don't have to do it all. You can just do whatever you can do. But we're not going to tell you you can do whatever you can do. We're just going to tell you you have to do it all. And so 
Ashley's concern is that this is a good elementary school and you have to like write a letter at the start of every year that requests that you can get back into it. It's just a normal public school. Yeah. But it's not automatic you get to go there again. And so she's concerned that I'm going to make a scene and they're just going to kick our kids out. <laughs> so first what? I talked to the second grade teacher and she kind of explained. Wait, she said what? Whoa, whoa, back up. She said what? She was afraid that you were? Right. Okay. That I was going to complain too much and then they were going to send me to the principal and the principal was going to yell at me and then they were just going to kick the kids out next year. So I talked to the second grade teacher and then I kind of, you know, I understood. It made sense. And I, I really... I do this at work a lot. If you go in and you just start talking to somebody for 10 minutes, they're going to get lost, especially if it's a person who has to make a decision or give you a budget on something. They'll get lost and they won't care, and they'll just say, I'm confused, and they won't try any harder, and you lost them. You have to wait a month or a week before you can go talk to them again. Yeah. And so it's very, very important you use the right word in the right pattern, or they will not do what you want. Yeah. So I like to look at it as if I were if I could only go in and say five words, what could I say that would that would impress upon you that that it was important and it had to be done, you know? If I could do it in one word, what's the one word that I would use? And really I came down to the question was, are the teachers planning on doing any teaching for the remainder of the school year? And I felt like that was a really good question because it is. I believe that I believe that the teachers would say, "Well, of course, I'm working seven hours a day. I'm doing all kinds of stuff." Well, that wasn't the question I asked. <laughs> I wanted to know if you were going to do any teaching of that one or yes. two or seven hours. Yes, you know. And <clears throat> so I talked to the fourth grade teacher and I said, "Yesterday, Kane had to work until eight p.m." He worked over 10 hours to get through. That's, that is ridiculous. Today. That is where you, as parents, are failing in not saying, okay, we're not doing this. Yep, but they're still saying it's mandatory. I'm going to do everything they tell us to, and I'm going to complain to them, and I wanted to make very clear to them, I'm never going to stop calling you. I'm going to keep reaching out each day because I can tell the teachers have been taught to say, I'm hearing what you're saying. Is that all that you needed? <laughs> what I couldn't deal with that. I I would not deal with that. So when, <laughs> when they say that to you, what do you say? Well, I what I pretty much said was it's okay if you're hearing what I'm saying, but I would prefer you to do what I'm telling you to do. <laughs> I would yeah. rather you I would rather you act on <laughs> What I'm asking you to act on. So, real quick, back up here. So, when they were first told, because I, from your video, I gathered that you said, like, is this how going to be like for the next month or two? So, when you were first told that the kids were going to be out of school, it was just what, a, like a two week period. I think so, but... I mean, it wasn't an indefinite, right? It was just a period of time, and we'll let you know. Then at some point, did they come back and say, okay, everything is canceled, or or what did they tell you? What what are you under the impression of now? Right now, I'm... I actually think it's only canceled, like, through next week in terms of the official communication from the school, but a, a week or two ago, I heard on the radio that, like, all Texas schools 
were canceled through the end of the school year. So, yeah, they came out. I don't actually receive those emails. I don't think it's officially closed, but everyone right they know it is the teachers are done for the year but you 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 the students aren't so that's what the, basically they came out here at, so spring break was supposed to start kind of like the third week of march like it always does like it always has mm-hmm. in indiana and they came out here like the 12th of march was a thursday and they came out here on like the 13th and said, okay, school is going to be closed like the 16th through blah, blah. And then we're going to do a week of spring break. And then we're going to be closed two weeks after that. And we will start back to school on April 13th. And everybody here was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. And they were freaking out. And then like a week into that, they or, or a week and a half into that, they came back and said, okay, school's canceled. Schools canceled for everybody, uh, and and e-learning. The you know this some teachers some teachers have things you got to go pick up. They're doing e-learnings, and it's a cluster up here as well. So, okay, how long how long into this were you guys doing the e-learning? Well, I think the I think the first week that we were out of school was spring break. Okay, okay. So it would have started immediately the next week. Okay, and what I was trying to gather from your video is, have they been piling on more work, just more and more and more work, like every couple of days or every day or every week since then? Well, I think maybe the first two weeks they were adjusting it slightly, and in an effort to help, each time someone would request something different, instead of paring it down... They would just add to it. <laughs> but then they would follow up by making all of those things mandatory. <laughs> and what's the deal with the what's the deal with the the links? Like the like what uh, like the YouTube. So do they tell you where to go on YouTube to look at like this is uh, a video of a kids jumping up and down? Actually, yeah, they did that. But the only YouTube is to tell them kids need to stay active. And so there's some sort of a YouTube channel that I'm not sure if it's phys ed teachers. I I don't care. I'm not going to go to YouTube for phys ed stuff. The kids, I can just look away for 30 seconds and the kids will be gone. They're already active. (laughs) All right. So what, so you have been in communications with the school We've been in communications with the teachers. What are they saying? The second grade teacher was helpful. She explained, you know, first and foremost, no grade will be reduced from what it was previously. So even if you disappeared and didn't respond one more time, you would get the same grade you had in the previous nine weeks. Um, but what? They explained how there were very... Well, it's kind of, you know, they're not going to punish anyone right, right now. Right, okay. So this is... Okay, this is kind of like on the, the honor system. You show improvement, and your grade can be raised. Okay. All right. Which is difficult, because normally when a child takes a test, it's a school. And so now you kind of have this question of when they take their test at home, after they did a lesson while I was sitting with them, do I correct them before they choose a wrong answer? Or do I say, well, to make this accurate, you should get as many wrong answers as you should get? 
Ah, see, and, and there's the age-old question that if you were a teacher, you would probably know. But just being a parent, you you have the question like, should I help them or should I let them do it on their own? Where if you help them, you could teach them and they could learn. But I'm kind of of the mindset that they probably need to understand what it's like to get something wrong as well. So like a teacher has to answer that question for you. It's always a really weird thing when people, this argument when people are like, the teachers should teach and the teachers say the parents should parent. Uh, yes, I think both of those things are true. However, most parents are not teachers, okay? So... There is definitely a role for teachers in a child's life unless you're going to homeschool your kids. And I think that you could absolutely, if you had time and, and not at work and, and, and whatnot, you could absolutely homeschool your kids and they would be just as fine, if not maybe better, than if they were attending public school. But a lot of people, most people don't have time for that. And so that's why you count on the folks that are educated. It's not like the teachers are any better or smarter than you are or can, you know, like, let's say, look at math. You know, there's no teacher in the elementary school system that probably has a handle on math better than you. But you're not a teacher, you know, so... That's that's the weird thing, but the I just I can't understand all of the links and all of that, and why the the biggest question here is why the teacher can't you know sleep in if they want to sleep in and wake up and do a video at ten a.m. where it's like a live Facebook video or a Zoom video, and mm -hmm. I'll the tell you why students log on and watch it, but. If the students don't get logged on and watch it, they can also replay it later in the day. So if it's easier for the parents and the students to do the schoolwork, let the kid play all day long and do the schoolwork at 6 p.m., then the student and the parent can do the schoolwork at 6 p.m., and it should roughly take two hours or less, and that should be it. Yeah. Well, I, I learned something. So when you're sitting in class, there's a good chance the teacher already has the paperwork printed out ready for that day. They hand it out to their students and that's their homework and that's what they study. If they were to make a video, now the teacher is attempting to recreate a trademarked curriculum that someone else created. And I know for a fact that they said they've been sued a number of times because of accidentally providing some sort of like, uh, this is how you solve fractions in a method that someone else trademarked. So you can't just make a video and recreate that because it's illegal. And that's one of the troubles that, that they're hesitant about. Wait a minute. <laughs> that That's not reality. That's not... That, that, you're not being serious, are you? Well, let me give you an example. If I go to a Harvard course that teaches me how to manage my employees, and I take the lessons and the terms that I learned in that, and I go back and I explain those lessons and terms to my employees, it's illegal. Now, I might do it behind closed doors, and no one would ever know, but it's still the wrong thing to do. You're supposed to send your people 
to the Harvard course to let them learn it. So the same thing is true even if you're teaching fractions for elementary kids. You might be doing just the math in a normal way, but if you have a special way of carrying the one and someone well, trademarks that or you use terminology that seems commonplace, like if you said the word Kleenex and you weren't allowed to say Kleenex because it's a brand name, yeah, that's where you get in trouble. And I know this because the principal told me. No, no. For real, during this, during this crisis, they've told you that? Yes. Well, about a week ago, I heard on the radio that Texas schools, some years ago, they made a rule that you cannot create online curriculums. And so there's only a few districts across the entire state that are allowed to do that, which means right now, because of the crisis, they're doing something that's partially illegal as is because they're not allowed to provide education outside of the school. So they're kind of, you know, they're, they're kind of walking a line. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is something that I wanted to say, though, is I talked to the fourth grade teacher. I said, we're spending too much time each day. And this is where I see a lot of the time that I get the impression the teachers are doing what someone told them, even though it doesn't make sense because they don't think it's right to ask questions and follow up and understand what's happening, which is precisely what I'm going to do. <laughs> so the, te the teacher said, you shouldn't spend more than about three or four hours a day. If it takes longer, then just don't do the rest of it and then catch up on Friday. Of course, Friday was another six to eight hours of work because it's not like Friday was left empty. So I said, well, let's add up the numbers. Do you want us to take the extra three hours from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday Add that 12 hours of work onto the six hours on Friday. So now we're going to have a 20-hour workday <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> so at, at that point, I got frustrated. I pretty much said, you've made everything mandatory because you made it red. If it's all red, it's mandatory. You've already explained that. I'd like to see that change. Later that day, I found out that all the fourth grade teachers got together and they revised the curriculum and they eliminated 50% of the work. Wow. As I asked. So now what? Well, then I had a call with the principal. No, wait, wait. Did they call you or did you call them? The principal called me. Why? Because she was trying to follow up on exactly what my issues were. <laughs> okay. And so how was your, you got called to the principal's office. How, <laughs> how'd that work? So I, I just explained, and I could tell the principal was even better trained at communication. Because she did the same. I'm hearing you, but she waited at least 10 minutes before she spoke anything. She listened to every complaint that I had, and then she summarized each and every one of them. Oh. And it, it's really useful, but I had two main complaints. Number one, there's too much coursework. And number two, are the teachers going to do any teaching? And <laughs> she explained the first one. They've already revised the curriculum. So she, she tackled that one quick and easy. Um, the second one was uh, with whether or not the teachers are going to teach. And she kind of explained, you know, some of the kindergarten teachers have done this. They're not sure exactly to, how to do it in the older classes. Um, you know, they don't want to do anything wrong and teach content they're not allowed to. <laughs> um, but at, at the very least, they were going to try to make available time to find out if there were questions. Because 
I, I kind of had to make one little jab, and I said, you know, if the teachers are all furloughed and they're not being paid, I understand why they're not teaching. But if they're still being paid, I can't imagine what, what productive things they're doing currently. <laughs> and, and I said, I am not going to do teaching at any point. So every single word that comes up as a question, I'm going to write it down because I could explain, for example, Kane had a Venn diagram. Hey. He didn't know what that was. I could have simply explained it in two minutes, but I don't see that as my role. And I told the principal, I'm not being paid to be a teacher yet. <laughs> what did the principal say? Uh, well, again, I think she was very smart. If I said something rude, she wouldn't follow up on that point. She would just continue on. So. Well, did you think you said <laughs> anything rude? Ah, it's one of those, like, you know, if, if you're going to pay people who are not providing a service and you're going to have other people provide a service, then they're not going to get paid. <laughs> uh, at the least, you better expect I'm going to complain about it. <laughs> so, okay, so wait a minute now. So, okay, first of all, I... I'm blown away by the fact that they can teach you how to add and subtract fractions, and you can add and subtract fractions in your life if, for some reason, you're in a situation where you need to add and subtract fractions. But if someone says, oh, hey, what are you doing over there? And you say, well, I'm adding and subtracting fractions. And they say, well, show me how to do that. And you do that, you have now committed some kind of copyright infringement. Well, it, it at a really low level, probably not. But, but if you're it, teaching it, a whole and, bunch of people, if you're trying to better your neighborhood, and, well, no, you know. It's possibly terminology that you use, that someone is... They've come up with this method of teaching it. Okay. Here are the steps that you follow. That could be something that that, that method that they came up with. I mean, that, that's what intellectual property is. Sure, sure. I, I understand that. I, I understand that. Uh, so, okay. okay, so... I guess, then well, to wrap up the second one, um, whether or not the teachers are going to teach. Now, they do have office hours. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, I had three questions. These are the three things. So I went to the social media site they have, Living Tree. I sent a private message to the teacher during the office hours, and I said, these are the three questions that my son has. And the <laughs> response was, can you post this question on the team site because we're trying to keep it all in one place? So I didn't get an answer to any of the questions. So I went to the team site, and I sent the same private message to the teacher and said, these are my three questions. And the response was, where did you come across these words? What lesson? Where was it at? So instead of answering my questions, I had to then go back and read through his social studies assignments and math from the previous day to find out where those words existed in order to get the passage of being able to have my answers. Um, <laughs> so do you, do, you that, recall, do you recall what one of the questions was? Um, what was the word? Um, I can't remember exactly. One of them dealt with, I called it complex fractions, but, you know, fractions like one and four fifths. 
Okay. Or nine-fifths. Okay. How do you change it over? Something that personally I consider to be very easy. I could teach that. I could come up with numerous lessons on how to teach it. <laughs> I was even going to offer the teacher, if you want to pay me a hundred bucks, I'll make you a video. <laughs> and if you want to share it to everyone else, you can pay me a thousand dollars. Okay. But uh, again, I'm, I'm looking at it like my objective is to make sure I'm keeping on time and moving between each, each subject and making sure you're working effectively. If something isn't going to be taught, I, I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to enforce that the teacher should do it. Right. So uh, one of them dealt with fractions. One dealt with, uh, he was learning about ghost towns. It was, it was some term about like a populated city. I understood what it meant. But again, if he says, I don't understand this, I want to relay that to the teacher so that they can provide a lesson on that, <laughs> not just a definition. That's not good enough. Well, and you're not, you're not shirking your responsibility as a parent because this is school. This is if we were okay. I mean, if your kid runs up to you because they hear, uh, you know, deforestation on TV and they're like, hey, Dad, what's deforestation? You're like, well, that's where, you know, they're cutting down trees to make paper or or for logging, the logging industry. You know, you tell them that. But if you're sitting at a lesson plan for six hours a day, because of the virus and the schools are shut down and the teachers sent you something on Friday for for the next week, oh, here's your whole week's worth of plans or here's the link where you go and get each of your day's lessons plans and the teachers aren't doing anything. So what are the teachers doing daily? What interactions daily does the teacher have with a student or students? Are there some students that aren't uh, interacting with the teachers daily? It's not daily. It's only... Once a week, they they do a Zoom meeting. Oh no! Somewhere between four and twenty kids will log into. Um, actually, one of the meetings we were logged in under the wrong name. It was we were logged in under Devin's name for Kane's meeting, <laughs> and the teacher blocked us because they didn't recognize the name. Okay, we'll <laughs> log back in. So we log back in, and it says you've been blocked because the teacher already kicked you out. So. I had to download Zoom on that computer, the app. That didn't work. I went to a different laptop. I downloaded it. I created a new username, and then we were able to get in halfway through the meeting. That's uh, that's disgusting. <laughs> now, they did tell us they can't teach during those Zoom meetings. Those are only for social time. What does that mean? Oh, the kids talk to each other. Occasionally, one of the kids will read a chapter from a book. And everyone listens. They make sure to block um, out all names. For The little grade, boy fairy they, who would not grow up said to the little smaller fairy, I don't ever want to grow up. Will you go away to... And then someone says Neverland and it goes... Eh, eh, and it closes it out. You can't say Peter Pan or Tinkerbell. The principal actually did say that. What? If, they, if, they, if they read something from a book... They have to say at some point that this resource has been purchased or something to the effect of we're not the original authors of this or, you know, like I would post a picture on Facebook and music is in the background and they say, this is my music. This. I'm thinking, all right, you're not profiting off of this. 
You don't you, need to make a disclaimer. You need to start the next feed playing Hey Jude because the Beatles are, are horrible for copyright infringement strikes. You need to do how I do my live videos. You start with the, the screen that's just flashing different colors with Hey Jude playing. <laughs> Devin comes on. <laughs> Mitch will be wearing, like, a Coca-Cola t-shirt. Yes! Dr- drinking Pepsi with her Coke bear. <laughs> oh, my God. That is disgusting. So, all right. Wait. This is very important. So, get back real quick. So, how long does the socialization hour? Or is it an hour? Did you say an hour? Uh, 30 to 40 minutes. Of just random kids being on. And what happens if you're someone who says, I'm not going to do that, or God forbid, there's bad parents, or or one parent, or or abusive parents, or poor parents that don't have laptops and iPads and computers and cell phones. If a kid just disappears from the school system during this crisis until whenever they go back to school, nothing bad will happen to that kid except for the fact that that kid did not learn anything during this time that they would normally be learning. Okay, and every kid is pushed on to the next grade if they were going to be at that point? I I would imagine, yes. Okay, and so what happens at the end of that socialization period? Uh, They sign off. I will will say, with the second grade, she said, you're not allowed to stay on here after the teacher leaves. But with fourth grade, the teacher will leave, and sometimes the kids just keep on chatting and and then messages and stuff. I don't understand. Well, you're not allowed to stay on. They can't stop you and a bunch of other students from using Zoom and getting on Zoom. Why, how can they stop you from doing that? It's it's only within the teacher's session, like their meeting that they set up. Okay. Which I've seen that in any any meeting I've had at work when the organizer leaves the meeting in. Well, yeah. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. If I because I've got a Zoom account, and so if I if I add you to the Zoom account. And we're having a meeting, me and you and two other people are having a Zoom account. I, I leave and I end it. It's ended. I, I can also, I can have my character or my host leave the meeting and leave the meeting up, and you guys could do that. But if I end the meeting and leave by ending the meeting, then the meeting is ended. Um, so, okay, and that only happens once or twice a week? Yep. So what's so, happening those other uh, three days? Nine. Well, it's the same thing. They they read and they discuss topics, uh, but it's not it's not like school topics. It's just what have you been doing lately? No, no, that's during the did. meetings. What happens on the days where there are not Zoom meetings? Well, they just have to do the the assigned curriculum alone, alone. Okay, and so yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh, they 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 also they do offer office hours. Once a day, there's an hour where you can. Ask a question, or if it's needed, you can do a video meeting with the teacher. How many kids are generally in, you know, like, is it like up, is it like when we were in school? Are there 27 kids in the class, 24 kids in the class? 20? I think maybe 20, yeah. So is there one hour for the entire 20 kids, or is there one, I mean, are the teachers in there for eight hours a day allowing those 20 kids to pick part of the day? It's one hour for everyone, but the math teacher said he thought it would be taking up all of his time, but like any situation, when you uh, office hours in college, I probably went one time my whole life. All right, right. 
Um, I agree. And this kind of reinforces my belief on teaching. It's, it's on the teacher to do it. It's not on the student to do it. And if the student fails and they fall through the cracks, that's still on the teacher. That's a very strong belief that I have. Right. Um, right. So if, the, if you offer an office hour, obviously some kids will go to every single one. But I was too shy then. I wouldn't have known what to do, and I wouldn't have felt comfortable even going to that. All so that's what probably happened. All teachers should look at this as uh, dangerous minds. That's how all teachers should look at their jobs. Whether you're teaching at Delta or some Catholic school or this inner city projects of New York, your goal should be to reach that hard student that you have to slap in the face and, uh, you know, share a bottle of wine with to make sure that they can understand uh, complex fractions or whatever the hell it was you were saying. We are living in a gangster's paradise. <laughs> this, that's, that's definitely true. So, all right. So, what's the what's the resolution? What's so you've talked to the teacher, you've talked to the principal. I want you to contact the doctor of instruction for the state of Texas. I want this to go beyond. So what's what's well, what's now? I'll tell you my my positive feedback. Kane had two questions, uh, fourth grade math questions. We got on with his math teacher. He immediately did a video. He answered the questions and he wrote out some practice work to show how how it worked. One was about precipitation, and he he just showed how that worked and sent an email to us. It took maybe ten minutes, and he answered the questions, and it worked great. Um, obviously they, the biggest one was that they changed the curriculum immediately when I got off the phone. They changed the curriculum for everyone. That's crazy. Grade, which was nice. You really had an impact um, there. I, I talked to the, the principal, which she said she had kids in pre-kindergarten and she felt like it was overwhelming as well. Um, so she kind of could relate and was going to give some feedback to the teachers um, but in the end, this was the most important thing to me was I wouldn't have called if I didn't think that the performance that they were providing to us was subpar and it was very easy to correct that. <laughs> I felt like there were easy solutions. It would be very easy to make a video. One teacher said, well, the reason we can't make a video is because all teachers might not have the resources. And what that kind of... That comes back to, you know, well, I can't do my job unless people pay me more and give me more stuff. I need more colored markers. I don't personally think that's a limitation. Um, what, what scenario would we possibly be in where a teacher would not have access to what they needed to do to make a video? Even if your teacher well, right now, even if your teacher right now is 78 years old, They've been teaching for the last 10 years where they've been using the Internet. They have Internets. They have laptops. There's there's no limitation and no reason they shouldn't be able to for elementary. But I will say at a college level, a lot of things are more applied. For example, a robotics instructor. Yep. Um, I can see how that would be very difficult well, to do hands-on training. Uh, mechanic schools that mm-hmm. are shut down just like the rest of them, 
still have to come up with a way to do it. So, yeah, I can see how that would be tough, but no, not on elementary. Well, that's exactly right, right, right. Unacceptable so, excuse. When we're still shut down, when Kane and Devin are in... <laughs> In college, you can worry about that then. But what happens when you know that they're not going back to school in the fall, right? Uh, I would have to disagree on that. I'm telling you, man, you better be prepared. They are not going back to school in the fall. They are not going back to school in the fall. It's not going to happen. I, I think step by step. I want them to. I want it. them to open up, but I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. This is. This is. This is. We are in for the long haul here. Huh. We are in for the long haul. They. They said that they just canceled on Monday, the 13th of April. They canceled the 4th of July in the city of Anderson. I mean, yeah, I'm sure plenty of things that have to be planned that are in the summertime can be canceled, but I think. I think. The, the next school year's far enough away. <laughs> That's going to be amazing. I mean, well, I did hear today they're teaching uh, they're teaching dogs to sniff out coronavirus. So, no, is that for real? Maybe they'll. That's what that's what that's what I heard. Where did you hear that at? From Ashley. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh God, I'm telling you. I watched that video that you made, and la- I've seen. I've watched it probably seven times, and it's it's hilarious. Because the thing is, it, you're serious, but I I get like I can tell where you're smiling in there just enough being a smartass. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like each person that I talk to. Yes, I'm partially going to make little jabs at you to see if you're going to bite at it. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm going to kind of try to be productive and move forward. Right, right, um, right. I could tell the fourth grade teacher didn't appreciate because if she said something wrong and tried to continue down that line, I would just I would just interrupt her and, and continue with some different point that <laughs> made more sense. And so then she'd be forced to comment on that and... <laughs> oh my god that's hilarious i've shown people the video and i've got a lot of good feedback on it and hopefully the people will hear it in this episode now but then beyond that what i'm trying to do is see if this is the same everywhere of course i know kind of what's going on locally in east central indiana obviously you're in houston texas i'm trying to find out if this is going on in other larger cities like indianapolis and beyond so i'm trying to reach out to people that i'm friends with online that are teachers at schools and that obviously uh are Parents of students in schools, and I want to find out if we're in, um, you know, in the same situation here locally. My complaints are are something that any one person could do something to change it. You could be in a different school system where they would have, you know. My view was that this is Houston ISD, which I've heard, you know, most of the employees of the city of Houston and the funding is for that because of how huge it is. Sure. So they probably had an amount of funds to say, let's make sure there's at least one online source that they can go to and watch videos for math and science and social studies and language, where a smaller school might not have had that option and just said, 
you'll be making videos. Oh, really? Or, you know, you, you'll have a packet that you print out that covers the next two weeks. Hand that out to the students if you if you didn't have computers. But so is this, uh, this to me? Is, I viewed it as resources. Is it a Houston problem or is it a Texas problem? Someone that was at a school only like ten miles from here said they were happy with what they've been seeing. And okay. At the same time, there were other complaints about Houston. So um, I think it's just trying to get organized. And the, the principal actually did say that. Normally, if someone wanted to introduce an online program, it normally takes around a full school year to get that up and running. And you can imagine with anything where you're dealing with the citizens, whatever you throw out there, people are going to have major issue with. And I'm kind of interested in that. That's something that I always appreciate because I'm the person when someone says, here's our new idea, what I've been trained to do is to say, Who's going to be consuming that idea, the end product? What are what are their responses going to be? What things are they going to complain about? How do I put that in place before they ever see it? Because <laughs> to me, it's important that when you put a product out, it's the right product that the most people wanted, but you spend the least amount of time and effort developing that thing that most people wanted. Some people will never be happy, um, but you can't. You can't just say, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is what is obvious. I feel like most people think that way. If you have an idea, well, that's the obvious idea because it was my idea. I came up with it. <laughs> no, no idea that any person has is the right idea. <clears throat> Unless, you know, you've got 20 years of experience with that specific topic. Right. When you encounter something new, which is what I like, you know, thinking through, when you encounter something new, you have to think, what do the people who are not me think about it, and what do the not me people want from it? And I have to provide that, right? So, well, and it's okay. So, is that because that's your way of thinking, just because that's how your mind is set up, or is it because of your job in the being a chemical engineer in the in the oil industry? It's it's because of my job working as a as a product manager, where my goal is to make sure the customer sees the same thing anywhere in the world and that the customer experience is the same. And if you relate that to anything, you know, I, I constantly look at restaurants. Look how the customer experience is different. Uh, you know, the easiest one, Popeye's chicken came out with a chicken sandwich. When they came out with the chicken sandwich, they didn't expect the amount of success they had because no one was in that position to anticipate it. They didn't have enough chicken sandwiches available. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, everybody's getting stabbed in the parking lot. And <laughs> then you see the videos come out where they, you know, they're producing more chicken and more food than they ever had. So they just told the person, bring your trash can over, set a countertop on top of the trash can and start putting together chicken over there. And that wasn't sustainable. It wasn't good. It's going to cause Popeyes to shoot up and shoot right back down. Right. If they would have put a couple people in a global role to say, when we roll this out, it'll be done like this and train every manager, they could have become Chick-fil-A overnight. Right. And the lines never would have left. That's my focus. 
<laughs> That's hilarious. So you never answered. Uh, what's what's the follow up to this? I mean, are you done? Are you? I mean, are you are you satisfied? I mean, you're not going to do I another am. month's worth of ten hours a day. The number one most important thing is I'm going to the bottom of the list and I'm saying these are the four things that are due this coming week that you will be graded on. I'm going to make you do your reading and I'm going to make him focus on the things that he struggles with. But when it comes to doing those tests, I'm going to sit right next to you because if we want to deliberate on an answer, we can talk about it, but I don't want him submitting wrong answers. Um, okay. And I'm, I'm pretty strict about that. Well, they have to do writing journals every day. Uh-huh. And when they do their writing journal, when they misspell words, we rewrite those words. I won't let words be misspelled. Okay, okay, but, 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 you understand that part of what they've got to do is learn the consequences of wrong answers. Uh, I mean, when they take that test, the test usually has five to ten questions in, mm-hmm. in any subject, but they've, they've done topics on that throughout the whole week. It's possible that they didn't understand or they got tricked or whatever it is, I don't want them to just answer the wrong answer, and I'm sitting there like, oh, I knew that was wrong. I would rather say, let's think about this for a second. Yeah. Uh, I'll, a great example. I was never good at social studies, and I know why I wasn't good, because you can't say, uh, in 1829, Santa Ana took this action and moved uh, across the Washington, across the Brazos, and you're looking at it like, the kids don't understand nine out of ten words in this sentence. Who's <laughs> explaining what each of these words actually mean? And you can't just say a name and think that that's significant. Show some sort of a caricature. Identify who that person is. Move the caricature around. Show them. I'll give you a great example. I showed kids Google Earth the other day, and we zoomed in on from the globe all the way down to our house. And I zoomed out again, and then I zoomed in all the way to Grandma's house. And they're trying to figure out, how, how does that happen? How can you go in, and all of a sudden you're at a house where you could see oceans a minute ago? That, to me, is a lot more impressive than just a paragraph that told how Sam Houston sent, uh, who was it? David Bowie. Over to the Alamo and told him to burn it. And I'm like, oh, my, I've never heard this story before. This is cool. But I'm an adult. I already know what all this stuff means. That's a complete failure. I never learned social studies in school. I needed someone to read to me. And at the least, I'm going to provide that for my kids. (laughs) You better hope mom don't listen to this. You know, we're in Texas. The social studies right now deals with the Texas independence and Mexican revolution. Yeah. And it also deals with oil. So almost every day they talk about, talk to someone you know about uh, oil production in Texas. What's so important about oil? I'm like, wow, this is awesome because I'm going to tell you why oil is important. <laughs> and I can go through and I can come up with all kinds of fun, creative ideas. And then I'm like, okay. And then when we're done, I'll play you five minutes from the movie There Will Be Blood so I can show you what a person did when they discovered oil and then a person got their head bashed in and people died. And, you know, it wasn't like safe, but at least you can see. Crazy things happened at different times, <laughs> and I'll, I'll let you relate to it the best you can, and <clears throat> one other one that was awesome. At lunchtime, in the middle of the kids doing schoolwork, we pause and we eat our lunch, and I like to put the TV on, and I thought, you know what I don't want to do is put on a movie, and then we end up sitting here for two hours watching a movie. 
Okay. I put on um, How It's Made. Oh, yeah. You know that show? Yep. Love it. And I, I, I told Ashley, I teared up watching the first episode with the kids because they were showing how plastic dinosaurs were made. And they get to see some things that are done at a small scale, like a person painting a dinosaur, and other things are done at large scale, like gingerbread houses, where they're popping out like a roll that's 10 miles long of yeah. gingerbread and slicing it down and making a million of them in a day. And they're, they're saying, wow, I didn't know. Oh, I'm going to be a welder when I grow up. I'm going to do this. And wow. It's amazing. You're seeing all types of manufacturing. That's pretty cool. That's something That's something they really are not getting in school. This is weird. It's going to be really weird to see how this changes education. Uh, and maybe you guys ought to just look at homeschooling. <laughs> I mean, you know, that might be the best thing to do. Uh, I'll, I'll homeschool my grandkids. <laughs> right, I get it. I understand that. That's uh, that's nuts. So you still not answered what's happened. Well, so what's what's going to happen? Well, I mean, basically, I'm happy with the resolution they provided me. They scaled back the curriculum. They still have office hours available. I don't think that. There's going to be much of a change in terms of the teachers making videos, even though I told the principal, I explained I think it would be easy. And then the final point is, when it comes down to whether or not I think the kids should get wrong answers on tests if they don't know the answer, no, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to talk through it. And I'm going to use that as a moment to teach them, and hopefully we can improve their grades well, for then, what they've had. Then what you do, previous. what you need to do is, then you need to tell them they got it wrong. You need to work through it and be like, okay, well you got this wrong. I mean, they need to understand the consequences of wrong answers. Right. I mean, because when you were in school or in college and you were working on a, you know, math or, or trigonometry or chemistry or whatever it is that you do, uh, and you got something wrong. It infuriated you, and you didn't want to ever get that wrong again, and you weren't ever going to get that wrong, and they need you need that. Yep. I don't understand why. I, I understood social studies. I didn't understand math, <laughs> math or chemistry, but I got social studies and uh, history. Wow. Did you like history? I can't remember if you liked history or not growing up. No. The closest I would come would have been uh, world geography. Oh, and I hated world geography. I liked my teacher, but you didn't like Orchard's class? No. Okay, uh, let, let me explain this. I was recommended to take that class because I had good grades, and they put me in the class in, what was it, ninth grade, must have been? Yeah. Um, were, were we in that class together? We were something? in the class no, together, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So I was in ninth grade. They said, oh, you've got good grades, you should take this class. Well, that was a huge mistake, because in ninth grade, I got... <clears throat> In the two nine weeks that I took that class before I dropped it on the other semester, yep. I think my two grades in that class were a D plus and a C minus. <laughs> and those two grades, I, I was I graduated 17th in the class. I probably would have been second or third in the class if I could have thrown that grade out. Because I'm sure the people who got in the top 10 in your class didn't have a D as a, at any class at any point. So I'm extremely angry that someone talked me into doing that. (laughs) 
That's hilarious. I never knew that. I mean, I knew where about you finished in school. I never, I never knew that. That's hilarious. I can't believe, I can't believe that. You remember, I just got, that's hilarious to me. Wow. The the biggest thing, and, and that's kind of, the way that I look at so many things in life is a little bit more judgmental towards education because I don't feel like anyone ever taught me. I taught myself. And then I learned what was wrong with the teachers while I was teaching myself. And then I identified how I would properly teach someone else, which means once I got into high school, I tutored people. And it it was pretty easy. First, we're going to go through the questions that are on your homework to make sure we know how to do that. And then I'm going to tell you the trick question about this topic and about every other topic because there's always a trick. And the teacher won't tell you that there's a trick, but when you take the test, they're going to trick you with it. And so I'm going to teach you that one thing, and it's that easy. Like, that's why when I look at an issue, I don't say, you know, with freedom of speech, it's good that we can talk. That's what Americans do. They talk. No, that's not the point of it. The trick is you're protecting hate speech. Yes. That's the point of it is it's the most extreme thing you can do. Yes. And when you can identify that... So when I pole vaulted in high school, my coach wasn't the best coach. He was a nice guy, but he wasn't the best at making you improve. So in ninth grade, I sucked. And in 10th grade, I sucked. And in 11th grade, I finally started improving. And I realized no one's teaching me. I'm the one who's improving on my own. And that's why I became a pole vault coach. And the people I coached in one year were 90% as good as I was. I, I could coach people to be nearly as good as me in one year as myself with four years of training. That's what's important to me. <laughs> oh, because it's hilarious. not about just saying, go do it. It's about saying, oh, stop doing that. Now do it this way. Yes, this do it this way. Do it. You break them of their habit, of their bad habit, or, or the thing that everybody else is doing, and you teach them the secret. Now, why you never taught me how to do math, I'll never know. You know why I didn't need to teach you math? Why? Because I just forged your report cards and changed the grades on them. So (laughs) one time, because I didn't like the attention of the joke of me getting good grades, and they would always make a joke like, oh, you should have gotten better grades. And it was a joke, but I didn't like that type of attention. Right. So one time we got our report cards, and I'd never showed it to anyone. And I wanted to wait and see how long it was before somebody would ask me for that report card. And obviously, I got good grades. So... (laughs) They they didn't ask until the same day. I think it was the same day that the next report card was sent out. And <laughs> so they, they asked if you had the report card, and I gave them the old one. <laughs> they had never seen that one before. <laughs> I've never heard that story before. I guess I didn't know that that happened. Hey, we need to take a real quick break. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to episode 96 of Perception is Reality. I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. We are talking with my very neurotic and eccentric brother, Andrew Craig. We'll be right back. Perception, Perception is, is reality. Reality. Hey folks, it's Bilber here for Perception is Reality. I want to take a second and talk to you about plumbing issues. You know when you're having a problem with your plumbing, your water pipes, your sewer lines, your drains. If you're having issues with your septic tanks, you're needing a repair or new install. 
You don't want to have to hassle with the folks that don't really know what they're doing or give you a subpar service. You need to call Reliable Plumbing Services. That's Reliable Plumbing Services, RPS. That's Mark Bolin or Sherry Sheline. They have 28 years experience, and they can help you with all of your plumbing needs. They offer senior citizens discounts, military discounts on all of their services, like drain service, water jetting, sewer installation, general plumbing, toilet install and services, and much, much more. Call Mark or Sherry at Reliable Plumbing Services. Tell them that you heard the commercial here on Perception is Reality and that Christopher Bilbrey sent you, and they will work something out for you. Again, that's Reliable Plumbing Services all throughout East Central Indiana. And now let's get back to some more Perception is Reality. All right, folks, we are back. This is episode 95 of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey, and we have been talking with my very neurotic and eccentric brother, Andrew Craig. He is a married father of two living in Houston, Texas. Andrew's wife, Ashley, is a successful business owner. Andrew has worked on and off with her in the business. They've started a couple other businesses and did different things in that way. Andrew's given profession is working in the oil industry as a chemical engineer. He's, in my opinion, highly intelligent in mathematics and science. He is very analytical uh, and an engineer-type personality. You, you know exactly what I mean. If you think like that, that's what Andrew is. But what I think is interesting here about what we're talking about, he's been having such an issue with this COVID-19 shutdown of the schools because his two children, who are in elementary a second grader and a fourth grader are having all of these really odd dealings with their quote-unquote e-learnings and the school system in Houston, Texas that they are in isn't making it that simple. And so it's a struggle, even though Andrew doesn't have a hard time understanding what the kids need to be taught and he would do an excellent job at this, his question simply has been, what is the school system doing for these kids and for all of the kids that they're supposed to be doing something for. He just feels like they're kind of dropping the ball. Another interesting point, because we've really covered that, is when I look at your two children, I see that they are exactly you, but meaning one of them is one half of the way you think, and the other is the other half of the way that you think. And if you put them together, you would have a spitting image of you, but they've like separated off. So do you ever look at them, and do you ever see yourself or see Ashley in how the kids act, in how they deal with certain things, compared to how you would deal with things in school? Because I always thought you were a weirdo. You're a weirdo now, you were a weirdo then, but what do you think when you look at your children like that? Yeah, I'll tell you, it's kind of, it's an interesting idea because I'm looking back and I see, you know, there are things that my kids prefer doing or don't prefer doing. For example, these these Zoom meetings that they have, Kane loves it. Like when he'll, he'll pop up out of bed and say, I, yeah, I want to get on a Zoom meeting and see my classmates. I'm thinking like, wow, I, I, do, I can't relate to that. I would have wanted to not do it. Right. And, you know, the, the teacher will say, who wants to read 
your your writing thing, and they'll ask Devin, and she's shy, so she'll shake her head and be like, no, 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 I don't want to read it. Right. Um, and and sometimes I even see where maybe she has anxiety because one the other the other day she wanted to sign up and and read a book to the class over the video like they do. Yeah. And they signed up. Well, it said you have to read for twenty minutes, and she went and got a Dr. Seuss book that she could read really well, and it only took one and a half minutes. <laughs> so then we said, well, you can't read that. You have to choose a longer book, like a chapter book, and just read a chapter of it. And she started freaking out, and she threw a fit, and she was like, you have to take me off the list. You can't read this. She's in second grade. And she would not want to be on the list. And I'm just like, that's what I felt. Those are the type of things that I know that I felt. I know when I was in probably sixth grade, they had a basketball camp, and I was very bad at basketball, but I wanted to play basketball because everybody else did. Right. And we pulled, it was at Delta High School. I got out of the car, and I said, I'm, I'm going to go, but if they're just going to do teams, I don't want to do it because then everybody picks their teams, and I don't like when they do that. I don't want to go if they're just going to pick teams. I'll do it if they're going to do drills and if they're going to teach us how to, to do stuff the right way. And as I started walking up towards the school... I saw through the windows, and I could see people running, and it looked like they were playing games. And I turned back around, and I was like, I'm not going to do it. They're playing basketball games. I'm not going. <laughs> and I was forced to go anyway. <laughs> Who forced you to go? I don't remember. <laughs> You're just, that's hilarious. I see so much of that shyness that you exhibit, still exhibit, honestly, that Sissy has, but... I see so much of the weirdness that Kane does, and I'm like, yep, that's Andrew. That's that's genetics. That's exactly Andrew. What Kane's doing right there is something Andrew would have done. Again, this is personality traits you see even at a young age. Kane doesn't like the idea that you would open it up and do what you're supposed to do for Friday or Tuesday or whatever the day is. We constantly say to him, you're not in charge. And that's because the way that he thinks through things is, yeah, yeah, you're doing it your way, but I kind of, I got a thing going here, you know. <laughs> so on, on Tuesday, I'm going to do my Tuesday and Wednesday topic, and then I'll be good to go. I'm like, but it already takes you way too long. And that's what he said earlier today. He said, so what? It's movie night. I can work all night and then get my stuff done. And I was like, uh, I don't think it's going to work that way. Yesterday, he said, so what? I can I can work all day on Friday because it's movie night. And then after I'm done working, I can go lay down in bed and watch my movie. But what he was doing was he didn't want to do his four subjects for the day. He wanted to do two subjects and then do it for the next two days. And I was like, <laughs> okay, but that doesn't really help anything because then tomorrow you have to do two days worth of your other two subjects. <laughs> <laughs> And, and usually, this is the trouble, if you don't watch closely, even though you say, no, we're not going to do that, he'll keep doing what he had planned, because he's already <laughs> got his thing going anyway. And He's such a con artist. <laughs> and, I mean, this happens constantly. In the middle of doing his online lesson, he drops his pencil. And so he wants to go get his pencil. And I say, you don't need a pencil. This is all online. <laughs> and within the next 10 seconds, his foot is down there and he's trying to find the pencil. Because, <laughs> like I said, he's already got his thing. So he's going to get that pencil. <laughs> oh, God, I 
I love it. And then I'll say, don't do it. I want you to not get the pencil just to show me that you can listen to what I told you. And probably within the next 30 seconds, he's like, I got my pencil back. (laughs) (laughs) You're then mad and stomping around and yelling and carrying on. uh, Not in that case, but it just depends what it is. You know, there's things Uh, that they do that piss you off that you think is, you have to think is hilarious. You don't like it at the time, but then that, that stuff that they do is (laughs) hilarious. And, I, I know it's probably it's probably not right to compare because I, I occasionally will say to them, Kane will take a quiz and he'll get five out of ten and he'll say, "Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's <laughs> the next thing." Now. Okay. And and I'm like, no, that's a failure. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't understand. When I was in second grade, I remember we would walk through the class every two weeks or something, and you would pick up every assignment. And all I wanted to do was to get a sticker on every one of my assignments because that means that I got an A-plus on every one of my assignments. <laughs> and if I didn't have a sticker on any of them, I was unhappy. And that's all that I wanted was to have it all perfect, not for anyone else, just for me. Right. That's all that I would expect. And as I look back, because even... So I'll say I was definitely an overachiever in school, but in college, you're kind of put in with all of the overachievers, so I didn't perform as well. But I wasn't interested in college. I was kind of like, you know, I, I want to get my degree so now I can go work. And I became an overachiever again where I'm constantly processing of how I can do the best job. I don't want to take advantage of a workplace. I want to do, I want to do everything that you I can. You want to give them the very best. And, and I'll judge other people. Because, you know, I used to work at the rig and say you do some million dollar chemical treatment. Well, when you do the million dollar chemical treatment, you can either say, oh, yeah, this is just like everything else I do. Yeah, I did it. Worked out fine. And they're like, wait a second. Your numbers don't reconcile. It says you use this much of the chemical. It says you use this much volume. The stuff doesn't match. Oh, I'm busy. I'm busy. Got other stuff going on. And those are the things that you get. And for me, I'm like, well, wait a second. I used to do this job when I would do that, like the first in the world chemical treatment for $5 million. I would go out there. You have so much time. You're at a rig for four weeks to do something that takes you six hours. (laughs) So in those four weeks leading up to it, I would write a final report. It'd be three or four pages long that would say, this is how much of the chemicals we use. This is the price of it. This is what went right. This is what went wrong. I might leave those tables blank. But I would create the formatting for all of it. Sure. Then I would go do the job, and when the job was over, it would take me 10 minutes to write a multi-page report (laughs) that no one has ever seen before. (laughs) And so they'd say, how long is it going to be before you get this report done? I'm like, there you go, finished. (laughs) And so then I hold other people to that same standard, and then other people have to tell me, I don't think that they think like you do. (laughs) They don't care to do all that stuff. And so that's difficult. <laughs> that's so I'll hold my kids to the same standard as I was when I was in elementary. Right. And I hold professionals to the same standard as I would be if I was in their same shoes. It wore, yeah, when you, yeah, right, right. That's, that is hilarious. That's, that's how I am with the elected officials, but other than that, I don't care. I don't care what anybody does at any time. That's an interesting one. What? Just, uh, because you say elected officials. I really think a lot of people have never 
they judge the president. Now, other, other roles might be different, but the president is judged based on, like, what you've seen in your life. And I constantly come up with this question of, have you ever encountered a president? For example, the president of your company that you work for. Have you ever had to wear a suit and you were going in and there was the president? And I, and it, I would expect a lot of people would say, no, I've never worked at a place where there was a person called the president. And that, to me, is, is a key kind of understanding because the president is not a manager. They're not an HR representative. Uh, you know, it's not an IT guy. You don't expect him to be nerdy and sit with you for three hours and solve a problem for you. A president is a very key role, and, and there are certain things that they're supposed to perform. <clears throat> they're, they're not like a worker that's ever on your team. They're a person that kind of, they're a face of the company. It's like a CEO too, but they're a face of the company. They're supposed to look clean and well put together. They're supposed to speak few words, but they always say the same type of thing. We have a path forward. We have a plan in place. They'll give you some tidbits of the plan, but they'll never be drawn in. And those are the things that I see Trump. Um, the other day, someone asked Trump, the price of oil is dropping. What price would you like to see it at? And that's a very, you know, it boxes you in. Well, I could answer that question because I do have an opinion on that. Right. But first, Trump is not an oil professional, so he might not know the answer. But as a president, he's not going to answer a question he doesn't want to answer. He wouldn't make himself look stupid. Right. Which most of the Democrats are not presidents, and they can't, they will make themselves look stupid constantly. Well, and so that's one where I noticed the guy asked a few times, and he explained, I'd like to see it go higher. These are the things we're going to do. And the person said, but what price would you like to see the price of oil go up to? And he explained more things and then moved on to the next question. But he didn't ever say that. And I don't hold him accountable because the president isn't a person that you put into a corner and force him to answer. They won't answer. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, we've talked about that before, like how the president's supposed to be the, you know, they're not there to, they're not the, they're not the small minutia type of thinkers. They're there to right. inspire inspire you, inspire yeah. you to do the very best that you can do and, and inspire your managers to lead you and 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 from there. Yeah. And so they're not there. They're a lot not of necessarily can't do that. What? A lot of people can't do that. Oh yeah, they don't have that have that ability or they don't have that that's that's why I said we need to stop calling elected officials leaders. A leader is somebody that rises to the top, and in an occasion, you know, when everybody else is floundering, they say, hey, over here, follow me. I have the way, and that's a leader. You should not call an elected official a leader. An elected official is just a public servant. That sounds like a trash man not knocking trash men, uh, because there are some public servants that are worse than trash men, uh, not implying that trash men are bad. But that, uh, you know, calling an elected official a leader, I think that's where they get that big head and they think, oh, look at me, I'm, I'm special, I'm somebody. But then they just act the way that they act and that's not leadership. Uh, I think that that's a really and big problem. I, I took a class that, <clears throat> that used uh, this thought that no person 
has a duty of being a leader, people exhibit leadership from time to time, and it could be anyone who's doing that. Oh, yes, and that's good. I think it's, it's Now, easy. is that proprietary <laughs> property? or It probably is. <laughs> uh, that was a Harvard course, Leadership for the 21st Century. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. You probably got to pay $50,000 for that one. <laughs> that is really good. That leadership is not a, just a forever thing. You you have people who come and yeah. go, and different people can can exhibit leadership and then, then not be. And that, I very much agree with that. I, I very much agree that that's, that's a thing, specifically when dealing with well, the politics of it all. I think that one covers what a person like AOC, she's in a role, so she's going to ask, you know, rude questions and do these things to try to accomplish certain outcomes, and it's not going to work because <laughs> when she speaks, yeah, she's saying stuff, but people don't seriously believe her. And so you won't achieve your outcome if you were a slightly different person. And a lot of the time, it has to do with age. People don't want to sit there and blindly follow a person in their 20s. Same thing for me. I look like I'm young, but if you suddenly had more gray hair, you're, you're automatically received better. Right. And, and it, you, might, you might be the oldest person in the room, and people still know that you're an idiot. <laughs> but a lot of the time, age is one of the things that, when you get up there and you talk, you can say the same types of things, and now people are like, okay, okay, this is important. Okay, now I'm feeling inspired. Now I'm going to go out and make a difference and well, do different stuff and accomplish what they wanted. I see that quite a bit, and, and it cuts both ways, <clears throat> because when I'm talking to people who are currently dabbling in politics and have been for the last five years, and I'm like, well, yeah, I've been paying attention to politics for 30 years. You know, that seems crazy, and that seems strange, but it's also very factual. I mean, you know, you know that, uh, that I've been interested and involved politically, and you would know that, you know, I would go... You didn't get out of school, I don't believe, to do the the political things... Now, yes, I used it as a just a chance to get out of school, but I also very much loved doing the politics of it and and everything that came with that. And so when I talk to somebody about something, <clears throat> you know, a lot of times people will listen because I know what I'm talking about and it proves that I know what I'm talking about and and even if you don't think that I do, I've had more people come back to me six months or eight months later and be like, well, yep, turns out you knew what you were talking about or you were right or you're always right, you know, something like that. Uh, I'm not being a big head about it. It's just if you do something for 30 years, you should be good at it. And so that's the thing. And what most people do is most people go through school. I mean, I remember when you and I would talk when you were up at Purdue and I would be like, you need to get involved with politics and you didn't care about it at the time. It had nothing to do with anything yep. that you were doing in life and it didn't affect. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the that's just what happens. But when you get out and yep. of college and you have a family and you start paying bills and you start seeing, you know, what's happening or or what I always say is it, it doesn't happen until you get a house. Sometimes people don't even care about paying because I, I will take it a step further. Phil pays for everything and pays taxes and he don't care. He just does it. He just, you know, he makes good money. So he pays and doesn't have to worry about this or that. And if something goes up, he pays it. And it's not really a problem. He is somebody that doesn't 
really pay attention to what's going on politically. He votes every time locally, and he votes in the state races, and he votes in presidential races. But he's not somebody that watches. He might catch 10 minutes of it on the nightly news, but he doesn't sit and watch Fox News or CNN or MSNBC. You know, he doesn't listen to talk radio. Most people like him that that don't care. The only time they get involved is when the neighbor all of a sudden decides to put a fence in on on his property line and the person's like, wait a minute. And they go to the neighbor and bitch and the neighbor's like, well, if you don't like it, do this. And the, they call the police out and the police like, I can't do anything. And so the person goes and talks to their city and they're like, well, come to the city council meeting. And they go to the city council meeting and they're treated like shit there or they don't get the answer they feel like they should have. So they start getting more involved and they start paying attention and they campaign for somebody else against a city councilor or against the mayor or against the clerk or whatever and they're involved and then they decide to run and that's how people get involved locally in politics at the age of 45 after having never really been interested before most people don't get involved until something bad happens with them their property their family their neighborhood and that's what you see time and time again and then once people are involved they stay involved generally, but we never see people, and that's what I'm trying to change, getting involved when they're in their 20s and remaining involved for the remainder of their life. What people need to realize is this is your life because where you live and the people who are in charge of your city, your county, your town, whatever, is directly affecting you, your family, your friends, more than anything else. So it's important to get involved and to get active. And I always say, it's better late than never, and something's better than nothing. But the earlier you get involved, and the the more you suck up, and the more you understand, the better off you are. I mean, there are plenty of people who got involved in Winchester when we were dealing with the crooked, crazy, corrupt, broken government there, dealing with the Winchester House and all of the other disasters that came with Sean Byram's administration and his time in office that were not involved in Winchester politics for the other 45 years they lived there. However, they got involved after this one thing or that one thing, but because of that, they've stayed involved because, you know, what do they say? It takes 21 days to make a habit, seven days to break it. Once you get active and you start paying attention and you realize, man, these people aren't special. They're not like God's gift to politics. They're just a bunch of idiots up here and we need to keep an eye on what they're doing because nine times out of ten they're going to do something wrong whether they do it on purpose or not it doesn't matter it's still wrong and and the things that you really got to watch for is when they're doing something wrong on purpose because those are the people that you really have to bust out and it's happened everywhere I've been Gaston, Muncie, Anderson, Union City, Richmond, Winchester, obviously, people get active because of a problem, and then they stay active and they stay involved. And now it probably will wax and wane over the period of a lifetime, but people 
overall will stay involved and stay active once they get involved and get active. And that's what's important about this podcast is getting people to understand the importance of having a community of people who are involved and that you can go to and that if you don't go to this meeting, you know somebody who did go to the meeting so you can find out the God's honest truth of what actually happened there. And you can have a network of people that you can talk to. You might not always agree Sometimes you'll disagree. Sometimes you'll be mad at one another. But overall, you guys understand that you have the community's best interest in heart, and that's what you want, and that's why this is important. Because you have to be involved in your community, in your government, the local, state, and federal government uh, on some Uh some level. The flip side is I'll have people who've been involved with politics for 25, 30 years, but because they're 60 years old, they look at me like I'm some idiot. You know, oh, you're nobody, you're nothing, whatever, you know, you're just some punk kid, quote-unquote kid. But in all honesty, I've been involved with politics as long or not, if not longer than they have been. I've started to put together Right now, it's like 12 to 14 talking points that I would like to roll out that kind of talks about everything that America has gone through since the 2016 election and specific points that create an understanding of the difference between the Democrat and Republican Party. Oh, yeah. Because I believe that there's still a lot of people that believe they're Democrats for various reasons, and they've never, you know, tuned back in to reconsider whether or not they are. And so, although they might, well, first, they probably get all of their news from a Democrat news source, and of course, they're not going to talk specifically about what Democrats are doing or compare it to Republicans, because I don't think Democrats are highly involved with understanding their own issues. (laughs) And so if you were to explain these are specific Democrat issues, they would want to say, well, no, it isn't. But uh, I don't really agree with a lot of things that Democrats do anyway. uh, But but those things aren't true that you said. And it's like, no, that's exactly true. And guess what? If you think that you disagree with those, that means something. And it doesn't mean that you're an independent. It means that you're a Republican. And if you truly understood the political spectrum on each and every issue, this is what you would say. If you have no knowledge, you start out as a Democrat. You explain what you believe. Then you go further and say, but what about this? What about this? What about this? And you would say, well, yeah, yeah, I disagree with all of those things. Well, because of that, you just became a Republican (laughs) And that's where you become that from having knowledge of knowing where do you draw the line with what one side believes and what the other side believes. And that's what my talking points are intended to convince people of. So there aren't people that just accidentally go vote Democrat because they thought that's what they were, even though they disagree with them entirely. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's good. We need to do those uh, your 14 talking points on a podcast. That would be great. If 50 years were to pass and so much change took place of the Democrat and Republican Party such that Democrats became what is currently a mainstream Republican and mainstream Republicans became fascists, then people will have to change what party they're in 
if you're still in the same party, you're in a different party now. Yes. And so then, then you have to explain, and that to me is the key because I feel like maybe I'm just taking advantage of something, but because of the primary of all the Democrats being together, that forces them to go more to the left, and I'd rather focus on the extreme, the extreme nature of the Democrat Party because a standard Democrat is very extreme, in my opinion. And if you're just like, well, I don't really agree with some of that stuff. Okay, well then, vote the other way. Then that's well, that's what you believe. <laughs> that's 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 a good point. That is a really good point. The one thing that I can say that you and I do differently is I don't really like to say Republican or Democrat as much as I do liberal or conservative. I consider myself a conservative or, or, or right-leaning conservative libertarian against the liberal Democrats, and I feel like I'm also against the Republicans, too, because the Republicans and the Democrats are so much alike. I just don't like really using Republican-Democrat. I tend to separate it because I guess I, I can't specifically define liberal, because I feel like if you lived in another country, that would mean the opposite. But to me, the political party itself can be well-defined, and I, can, I understand it because they have a structure of people. There are people that work for them. There are people in charge of that party. And if the people who are in charge of that party are known criminals or known cheaters, and you go along with that party, well, then that means you're going along with those beliefs. You can't simply <laughs> ignore it. So, yes. All right, man. I think we've uh, just about killed this thing. We've almost done about two hours. No one will ever listen this long, and some of the best material was right here at the end. I appreciate you coming on and talking with us and detailing your issues with the Houston City School Corporation. I hope that gets taken care of. And I definitely want to have you back on so we can talk about the points of the parties as we move into the 2020 election, however odd and bizarre that's going to look during this COVID pandemic that we're dealing with. So uh, thank you, Andrew, for coming on and talking with us. Uh, take care, and uh, we'll definitely get in touch. Get a hold of me. Yeah, talk to you later. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a long one. I apologize. I normally like to try to keep it at 50 minutes or less. I understand this was long, but this was just a conversation with my brother and I, and I really have fun with it, so I, you guys will probably hate it. I don't know, but here's what's going to happen. Either you guys will not ever hear this because you will have quit at five or ten minutes into it, or maybe you guys will like it and listen to the whole thing. This is what we're going to do. For everyone that listens to this entire podcast start to finish, there will be a five-digit code that you should be able to provide to me. You'll have to listen to it all because it will be mixed throughout the entirety of the podcast. If you listen to the entirety of the podcast and you can present to me the full five-digit code, for the first ten people that reach out to me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash bilbrey318, that's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y 318, or by email khbilbrey at gmail.com, the first ten people that do that I will put into a drawing, and I will pick five of those people to get a free Perception is Reality t 
t-shirt of your choosing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Everybody knows how to contact me. And that's from all over the world, all 50 states, anyone, whether you live in Indiana or not, contact me by Facebook or by email, facebook.com forward slash bilberry318 or khbilberry at gmail.com. Give me the five-digit code. It can be numbers or letters. You'll have to decipher what, and you'll know it when you hear it. C, give that to me for a chance to win a T-shirt. Also, share this episode with everyone you know. Let's get people a chance to win. Do your part. Share the show with everyone you know. And until next time, get active, be involved, stay safe. God bless. I'll look forward to talking to you guys again real soon. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Look up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765 546 9796. Till next time. Remember, perception Perception is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.